The Recovery Greenhouse is a podcast dedicated to the growth of ideas, concepts, and outlook that support recovery and recovering communities. I'm Gerald Lott, your host and a person in long-term recovery. I'm also founder and executive director of Salt Valley Voices of Recovery, a recovery community organization serving Northwest Illinois. I'm a certified recovery support specialist, entrepreneur, father, uh, many, many titles. And after a long list of careers, I found my calling in helping others to find recovery. I work with many people, several addiction-related advisory boards and panels and such every day. And, And my core belief is that people have to make an effort to change their lives for recovery. There's a saying, no pain, no gain, and it's exactly correct. A person cannot experience significant life changes without enduring, accepting, and often welcoming discomfort. You see, it isn't the change that hurts, it's our resistance to it. Um, today's episode of, of the Recovery Greenhouse is brought to us by uh, Fresco on First, a really awesome restaurant in downtown Dixon, Illinois at 216 West First. I'd like to thank them for uh, their support. And uh, my guest today is somebody who I, I've just kind of started getting to know in, in full disclosure. Uh, she joined our staff at Sog Valley Voices of Recovery, but she comes to the table with uh, with some some other experience, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, she is uh, involved in and has been for years with a, a pathway to recovery called Celebrate Recovery, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So today, my guest is Adrian McLean. What's up, Adrian? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to to have this time with you and talk about recovery and and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I think a lot of people know that there are multiple pathways to recovery, right? There, there's abstinence based. There's there's uh, cut down based, right? You know, I, I I've cut down or I've taken heroin out of my my diet now I'm just you know alcohol and other things and they call that recovery and to each his own you know the 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 definition that SAMHSA the uh, substance abuse and mental health agency for the federal government uses says any positive change that gets that person closer to their full potential so we don't judge um but that being said you know there's there's a Buddhist version of recovery, and there's a a, a movement and 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 yoga uh, path, and then there's the faith-based path that uh, that celebrate recovery falls, and among other you know pathways. So, tell me about celebrate recovery. Absolutely. Um, first, I'll start with just a, a little bit of the history of Celebrate Recovery. And it was founded in 1991 by Pastor Rick Warren and John Baker at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California. And both John Baker and Rick Warren have been through Alcoholics Anonymous. They went through the 12 steps before, and they just had a, a conversation. What started as a, an a infamous 13-page single-space letter from John Baker to Pastor Rick Warren saying, there has to be something more. I'm I'm just summarizing these 13 pages of going through these steps. And he himself just kind of still felt that there's something more and and that there was a a direction for recovery that, that he needed to find. So between the two of them, they did an extensive Bible research and found that the steps themselves from AA that they were familiar with 
also have a scriptural tie to it, a biblical truth behind it as well. And that's something that they really wanted to pursue and, and bring to other people. So in 1991, the first Celebrate Recovery was formed in a gymnasium and there was only 43 people there and, and they went through that DNA. And the Celebrate Recovery DNA is when you walk into that, that setting, you start with a large group where you're all in one room, you're listening to the same lesson or the same testimony. Then from there, you break into the smaller groups. And that smaller groups are gender specific and hurt habit and habit, hurt, hang up and habit uh, related specific to that group as well too. So that's the basic DNR of it that after you learn something as a group, then you go and share in a smaller group that's uh, specific to that hurt habit or hang up that you need uh, recovery for. And it's so, a, so can I can I stop you for a second? When you say Rick Warren, are you talking about purpose driven life, Rick Warren? I am yes, and I have I have a lot of his books. I'll show you some here. That yes, this is um, he did write the purpose driven life. Um, the extension of that is what on earth am I here for? He uh, has written the purpose driven church as well too. Uh, he has the just a lot of writings. <laughs> let's just say that I've right, read from right. Pastor Rick Warren, uh, and and that is primarily the face of Celebrate Recovery, and he shares that with the Baker family as well too for John Baker, who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, um, but that legacy of recovery that he had built still lives on with his family, his son, uh, his son's wife, their children. The Baker family is a very important family to Celebrate Recovery and, and has kept that thriving this whole time since 1991. So they they are a wow. family that has selflessly sacrificed so much for the ministry for John Baker as well too. And, well, and was, I, I'm sorry to hear about I'm sorry to hear about his loss. I, I didn't know that, that that was the case, but I I've, I've heard so much. I have not read Purpose Driven Life, but I've heard so much about it like being maybe the second bestseller to the Bible or something. I mean it's it, this is a book that many, 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 many people have used to change their life. So to hear that that Celebrate Recovery comes down from that lineage is really impressive. Yes, and, and something interesting that I learned from this past summit too that was recently shared with me from a participant that went to, went to California for the Celebrate Recovery Summit is that the Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book, and the Purpose Driven Life books, a lot of times are together in groups that they'll learn from the the big book but then have that purpose driven life by rick warren almost side by side with it uh to just grow in their recovery and it is a a way of finding that purpose finding that direction and working synonymously with both the aa and the cr passive recovery and so to to hear that <laughs> i was just like that's fantastic because we've always paralleled very side by side with AA and NA with those 12 steps. The only differences with Celebrate Recovery, as I mentioned before, there is a scriptural basis behind it. Like the, the very first step has a scriptural comparison to it. And another difference of Celebrate Recovery is that we bring in eight principles that are based on the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, based on the Sermon of the Mount, and a lot of people hear it of happy are those who are poor, happy are those who are weak, happy are those who are, you know, just dealing with things in general. 
And, and those principles along with the 12 steps provide that pathway in Celebrate Recovery for healing from any of life's hurts, uh, life's hurts habits, and hangups with that. So you, you've said this hurts, habits, and hangups. Tell me about that. Any hurt, any hangup, any habit that you have from life, you can come to Celebrate Recovery and pursue a journey of healing with that. We are not just drug and alcohol-based and for 10 years, sir, it has been a platform of my ministry to break that stigma uh, because I was in that mindset. When you hear recovery, you think, oh, drug addicts or alcoholics or homeless or refuse or, you know, just the unwanted, the, uh, the outcasted, the ones who are making poor choices. And for 30 years of my life, I was trained to be perfect and to make good choices and to be very selfless and very quiet and, and receive a, a lot of hurt and pain behind that. Um, my toxic uh, codependency was basically if I was not being hurt physically, sexually, or mentally by someone that was immediate or uh, through a rape, um, I've been a victim of rape a handful of times, starting as early as nine, well, eight years old, that I, if I wasn't hurting, there was something wrong with me, but yet I had to be perfect and keep that smile and keep that denial, basically. And I carried that for 30 years. And on June 3rd of 2013 is when I was hospitalized for physical and sexual assault by my children's father. And I came out of that completely with my life turns upside down, where I was facing a, a whole new journey that I had no idea of any direction or how to cope or now having no money and now having no job and now having three children that are solely dependent on me and my body is in so much pain and my mind just cannot wrap itself around the whole whirlwind of the court system and detectives and lawyers and papers that I signed that I had no idea what I was signing or, you know, nothing was explained to me. And I was thrown into this world where it was, it was just a big DIY project. I was completely by myself in, in treading these waters of healing from the physical pain of it, searching to how, searching in, in how to find the, the mental, you know, therapy and things and try to heal that way. And, and I had absolutely no direction. I had walked away from faith when I was about 16 years old because I had a lot of church hurt of what was being told to me at that time. So I just went, well, if I'm never gonna be perfect, you know, if I'm, if I'm never gonna be good enough for this God that is the, the fire and brimstone God, then what's, what's all this worth? You know, I'm just trying to get, a, I'm going to try to be the best version of me and, and the best mom I can be and the best daughter I can be and the best you know wife I could be, everything. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot to carry, especially behind closed doors. I was getting beaten every night. And so now to have this whole, <laughs> this whole world uh, come crashing down on me and, and not knowing which way was up, I, I didn't know where to go or what to do. So it was truly, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it was by the grace of God that he lined up people in my life at that time. On June 3rd, I met a nurse that left her position in triage 
to follow me. And as soon as I came back from unconsciousness of the attack, you know, she said that in her 12 years of being a triage nurse, it's the worst domestic she had seen come through those doors. And in my healing and not being able to walk for a certain amount of time because of my injuries sustained from that, I was searching for help. And I got a job as a receptionist uh, for a nonprofit organization in Des Moines called Orchard Place. And it was a fantastic job. And I was searching for the help that I thought I needed. So I was Google searching for therapists, for divorces, uh, for the rape that I'd gone through, for the physical pain I'd gone through, everything. And Lutheran Church of Hope in West Des Moines, Iowa kept coming up. And I was like, nah, no, I'm not ready to, to, to go down that avenue. I don't want to step into a church. That's the last place that I feel comfortable that I need to be. But this class that was being held and, and hosted by this church was called Divorce Care. And as I was reading the description of Divorce Care, I was like, well, surely there's you know a, a cost to join this class. And the next sentence was, there's no fee for this class. Well, surely there must be materials that I have to buy and I have no money. There's no cost for materials because they've all been donated. Well, surely it's at night and there's no childcare. Childcare is provided during this class. Plus there's <laughs> care for kids too. It was like, is, sir, it was every, every thought in my head. The next sentence I read was completely debunked. And so I, I clicked on the registration and the first class started that night as I was reading it. And I just, I remember looking up and saying, okay, okay. So I started to attend this class and, and it was wonderful. I started making new friends because of that abusive history. All of my friends were his friends. All of my family was his family. <laughs> so so I, I had to start all over basically. And throughout this class and these connections, I truly do not know what was going on at that time in my life. I can't remember, but I know I was very frustrated. And I shared with this new friend of mine that, you know, the frustrations that I'm having, the, the financial instability, because when you're a victim and when you start to rely on the systems and, and all of the you know, organizations that are coming in to, to try to help, I was in that gray area where I made two, well, I didn't make enough at first and now I was hired on by the company and now I had to resubmit everything. So now I had to wait another 30 days and I'm finding out more information about my raise. I didn't get housing assistance anymore and my food assistance went down. And I just went, oh, you know, so I'm sharing all this with her. And she looks at me and goes, well, you should come to our Celebrate Recovery. And I let her spiritually have it because I was so upset. And I told her, I'm not an addict. I don't know what it is about me that makes you think that I do drugs, but I haven't touched a drink of alcohol since 2007 when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, who was a, a product of a rape at that time. Nor have I touched a drug since I was 17 years old and it was pure pressure. You know, I just, I, I've always stayed away from that. And even in the, the social aspect of it, of my job, Yes, there was drinking. Yes, there was, you know, some things that I partook in, but it wasn't anything that I would take home. It wasn't anything that I wanted in my personal life. So I'm just expelling all of this and how dare her think that I'm an addict. And she ever so graciously put her hands up after she let me vent. And she goes, you said that you haven't had food for you and your kids for about a week and a half. 
And at Celebrate Recovery, we have a dinner. So just come and eat, fill up your stomachs. That's really all you have to do. And I said, okay, because here's a place for free food that I don't have to cook or worry about. I just have to worry about getting there. <laughs> like I could do that. All right, fine. So the first night that we walk through the Celebrate Recovery at Lutheran Church of Hope, even before we walk through those doors and before my kids get out of our vehicle, I always run down the expectations before we go into anywhere. And I said, you're going to stay with me. You're not going to talk to anybody. We're going to eat and we're going to go. Just four things for my kids to remember. That was pretty easy. And when we walk through those doors, there's this lovely lady there, very grandma, you know, warm grandma personality and just beautiful smile. And she goes, I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. And my face said, well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here too. But behind my face, I was ready to tear her apart. And I want to tell her so bad, if you knew my pain that I'm carrying right now, if you know how much shame and guilt and rock bottom I feel right now to be surrounded by these people that I don't want to be here, you wouldn't be happy. You have no idea who I am or what I've been through. But we found the food and we ate and my kids sat with me and they're looking around and we're seeing all these other kids and there's a gym that has all these fun things to, to play with. And there's a coffee shop and there's a gift shop. I mean, this place had everything. Definitely not the church that I was used to growing up for 15 years. And my kids wanted to stay. And so we found where to go check in the kids and, and you know, the information you have to fill out. But because I was so late, the gal that was taking my kids and reassuring me that, you know, it's a safe place for them too, said, you know what? I'll just give you this ticket. We'll get all your information next week when you come back. And my face said, okay, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate that. But behind my face, I was like, ha ha, nice try. We're not coming back. I see what you, I see what you try to do there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not going to happen. And I followed the rest of the adults until, as I mentioned earlier, the large group where we all come together. It's all mixed issues. It's, it's both male and female. And that night was testimony night and Celebrate Recovery alternates a lesson night or a testimony night. And that testimony night, there was a woman that was standing on stage and she was talking about a mother that she had who was an alcoholic and a pill addict, just like my mom. And she was talking about how the boyfriends that came into her home raped her from her mother's boyfriends, just like my mother's boyfriends did to me. And then she talked about how the destructive patterns that she had and how she was very self-destructive. And even if she had a good relationship, she would sabotage it just like I did. And then she talked about how this one horrible abusive relationship put her in the hospital, just like mine had. And it was the first time, sir, that I had heard in 30 years of anybody going through what I had gone through because I thought I was the only one, that I was completely alone in this because I was told that and I believed that. So with Celebrate Recovery, if it's your first time, they don't throw you into a small group setting where you have to you know, release all of your emotions and, and tell your whole story because that could be very scary and very overwhelming for somebody like me. So what they offer is called Newcomers 101. And you go into that Newcomers 101 class and learn about that specific Celebrate Recovery and what they have to offer specifically to you. And that's when I learned 
that there's another group of women specifically with physical, sexual, and mental abuse trauma. That's their hurt habit and hang up. And I was like, there's more of us? What? I got to see this. And that's what got me to come back the next week. And I got to hear a lesson and we went through the steps and we all read them together. And I met a group of women that at first, and they're still this group of women, <laughs> will testify that I did not talk for up to at least six months. Now, I was still very scared and I was still very mistrusting. And one night I finally opened up, but it was in a way that was comfortable for me, which at that time was sarcasm. And I remember saying, you know what? I'm just ready to call my dad, have him come pick up the kids and I'm gonna go find a spot on the highway and whoever hits me first wins. And what happened was <laughs> these women heard me and they took what I, what I was meaning as sarcasm as serious, that this is a moment that they had to intercede. And there was a couple women that were putting their hands on my shoulders. And I remember kind of wriggling around and kind of dodging, <laughs> dodging these women who just wanted to pray on me. And the ministry leader came in and she's right in front of my face. And she's telling me that there is a purpose in my pain and that there is a, a mess, uh, you know, this message from my mess that I'm going through and that this test eventually is going to be a testimony and she's just encouraging me and giving me all this hope and all these wonderful words that I hadn't heard for a long time. And she said, you're not going anywhere because we got you. And God's got you. And we love you and God loves you. And something happened inside me. I don't know what, but it just felt like I had to give up whatever I was carrying. I felt very light. I felt like I, I dropped a hundred pounds. It was fantastic. And, and I was stuck. So after that, when you participate in Celebrate Recovery in small groups, you do have that choice to make the next step, which is joining a step study. It's a completely different time, completely different day that you get to meet with other Celebrate Recovery participants and go through each step just a little bit deeper. And the, the first one is, is the first book, um, and it's titled Stepping Out of Denial into God's Grace. It's not just taking that step out of denial, but also looking at what you're stepping into, which is grace. And grace is something that is given to us that we feel that we don't deserve. And so it was... Well, hold on, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there. And, and so, <laughs> you know, and, and thank you for sharing that. That was, that was amazing. I could see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gets yeah. me to this day. <laughs> so yeah, I, I believe me. You know, origin stories of this, of this thing. Um, yep. so I guess I, 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 I'm still trying to wrap my mind around if the twelve step programs are spiritual and God based, and this program is spiritual and God-based and faith-based. Why is there so much, you know, uh, why, do, why do people look at each, you know, from each direction with animosity or, or, or why is there so few, few people that understand? Well, for me personally, as I mentioned before, I had a lot of church hurt. I had a, a reverend when I was 16 years old tell me that 
you know, God basically is, is hating me and teaching me this lesson because I was such a terrible teenager that he took two of my fathers away from me and left me this alcoholic pill addict mother. And when Wait, you hold raised- up, hold up, hold up. You got to stop. You got to stop. Okay. Did they actually <laughs> say that? Did they actually yeah. say that? Or is that what you heard? No, and, that, and, is and that, do- that is my verbatim. That is verbatim. God, what yes. church was this? Well, well, not what church, but I mean, just that, right. <laughs> you know, that, that's just like, I can't even wrap my a, head around that. It was a Presbyterian church in Council Bluffs, Iowa. And that that reverend has since passed away some time ago. And it's it's just that, again, that fire and brimstone God that, you know, I I was fearful of and, and believed that if I was perfect, you know, I, I could get into that heaven and, and be in his good graces. Uh, so I, I wasn't ready to, to step into a church by any means. Like I mentioned earlier, I fought it. Um, years later, when, when this uh, ministry opened doors for educating me, uh, I'm very closely related to Paul. I mean, honestly, I went into faith to debunk it, to tell these people, you all are crazy that first night that I listened to that woman's testimony, I was sitting closest to the exit. So just in case people started pulling out snakes or, or babbling on or doing cartwheels or whatever, I was finding ways to justify to leave as fast as I could. And you and wouldn't I, have stayed to watch the cartwheels. Correct. Correct. No, there's no cartwheels in church. Absolutely not. You know, put your hands down. Don't breathe. Don't make a noise. You know, that's, that was my, that was my mentality. You gotta get the spirit. Look, we're gonna have to take a break for a second. I know that now. I know that now. Back then though, I didn't, (laughs) you know, now if you We gotta take a break. We gotta, we gotta break for a second. So hold on. We're gonna, we're gonna do our, our, our commercial and then we'll be right back. The Recovery Greenhouse is sponsored by Fresco on First, a high-quality cafe dedicated to using only fresh and natural ingredients, offering a variety of dishes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Along with grabbing a bite to eat, one can also stop in for a smoothie or enjoy a cup of coffee at their espresso bar. Now available is the Fresco Event Loft, a 4,000-square-foot space with wide-open floor plan that overlooks First Street. It's perfect for birthday parties, baby showers, graduation parties, corporate events, and more. They've got beautiful hardwood floors and all the room you'd possibly need. And don't forget, Fresco on First offers dine-in, curbside, pickup, delivery, and catering. They're located at 216 West 1st Street in Dixon, Illinois, opening at 7 a.m. Tuesday through Sunday. Stop by, I've had the food, and it is delicious. All right, so we're back with uh, with Adrian McLean, and we are talking about celebrate recovery, faith based recovery, recovery from addiction, recovery from other uh, hurts, hangups, and habits. Is that am I am I right? Did I get that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, and and so, what is your role within the celebrate recovery world? What do you? What's your title? What do you do? What What's your deal? Yeah. I'm a Celebrate Recovery ministry leader. Uh, I have served hundreds of women. I've been a sponsor to at least a few dozen women. Um, On average, I have about five to eight sponsees every year. And this Celebrate Recovery ministry 
um, opened up a lot of doors for me to plant to celebrate recoveries. And I've trained up to 150 leaders in about eight years. I've planted five celebrate recoveries, two in Iowa, two in Missouri, uh, revived one in Utah and one in Tennessee as well, and trained all of those leaders that are still very active. Um, and on average, each celebrate recovery has about 200, 200 to about 250 participants weekly on that. And within so are those mm-hmm. are those in big cities or are those small towns? What 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 what's the uh... Uh, The two two in Iowa are rural. Um, One specifically had a is is where we lived before I moved to Missouri. And uh, it was just a very poverty stricken uh, small farm town with two major roads, two gas stations and and a couple churches and a whole bunch of bars. And and what I ran into there too is, you know, sometimes when you had asked to, you know, why is there that that hesitation, that butting heads? One of it too is a a generationally accepted habit or hurt or hang up. And what I mean by that is when a participant in that town came to me and said, I'm an alcoholic, but so is my dad, and so is my grandpa, and so is my grandma, and so is my great grandpa. And so and he's just telling me this whole line of alcoholism in his family that is generational and how that town was so accepting of that generationally, you know, habit within that family and other families too, not just specific to that family. But it was like, if your grandpa was an alcoholic and your, your dad's an alcoholic and you're an alcoholic, well, you know, that's just how it is. That's how you're raised and that's okay. I face well, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there for a second. And I was having a conversation today with somebody and we were talking about how they say, you know, when you have an alcoholic, it's not just the, the person that's sick, but it's the family that's sick. I believe right. it's even bigger. I believe it's the community that's sick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and so that family that you're talking about years and years of alcoholism, I guarantee you also had years and years of troublemaking years and years of police reports, years and years of domestic violence, all those things that, that, that come along with it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately in our world, and I see this all the time, um, we can force that on people. You know, as a six-year-old kid, if the teacher went to high school with the dad and the dad was a screw up in high school, and so the teacher treats the child like a Absolutely. future screw up. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right. The, yeah, the police pulled the pulled the kid over because his older brother was a mess up. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Right. We're basically telling them, no matter what you do, that's who you're going to be. Yep. Exactly. So I I saw this community, and I saw a, a wonderful church that was full of really good people that knew that alcoholism, meth use, heroin use, cocaine use, I mean, any drug that that you can think of was in this town. And they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to be somewhere that people can come and start to heal and, and not have those addictions. So when anytime that I plant a celebrate recovery, I have to talk to an entire church. I have to talk to board members and, and other people that make decisions. And so when I come, so walk to them, me through that. Walk me through absolutely. that. Walk me through that. You 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 come across a town, and you say, 
perfect place for for a celebrate recovery. What does that? What does building that or planting that, as you said, look like? The very first thing that I do is I pray and I pray fervently and and I completely give it to God and ask for that wisdom, that guidance. And is this something you know that Holy Spirit can thrive in and provide so many healings and and break those chains so they can find freedom in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so very first thing, I pray and pray and pray and pray. <laughs> and, and then I set up those meetings and those times. So if there's, you know, uh, last time I had to talk to 40 people in one room, and there's a very, they're very special number of 40 in the Bible. And that's the very first thing that I started. There's 40 of us here. So already we're being biblically sound in this. And when, uh, when I talk to a, a church about it, I usually share, you know, just a little mini money of me to break that stigma that Celebrate Recovery is not just for alcohol and drugs, but it's for any mental health issues. It's for any times that you have anger. It's for any times that you have despair, grief, loss, you're lost, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're just looking for, for salvation, for freedom, for encouragement, for hope. You come here to Celebrate Recovery and you'll find it. And when I talk to a church and, and establish that celebrate recovery, the very first thing I look for is for four people. That's all I need. And, and the acronym for that is T-E-A-M. So you have your trainer, your encourager, your assimilation coach, and your ministry leader. Sincerely, that is all that you need to start a celebrate recovery is those four people. And so I ask what four people would like to step up and make a difference and make this community healthy again. And one thing that I always tell every church is that I do not do this for me at all. I'm not worthy of any of this. But what I do is I forward think that I'm planning a celebrate recovery in this church or in this organization, in this town, not for, not for us, not for me, but for your children's children's children. And it's a generational reach for the Holy Spirit to thrive in. Because what, what me as a parent is going to learn to make me a better parent is going to affect my children and that's going to affect their children and that's going to affect their children. So that's the seed. All I do, and it is a vision that he showed me. I know it sounds hooky-booky, trust me. I thought it was weird too at first, but I grew up on a farm and I love sticking my hands in the dirt. I love getting dirty. It, it was just a thing that annoyed my mom as well, too. <laughs> I always come in dirty, but sticking my hands in the dirt and planting seeds, my absolute favorite thing to do. And so when, when Holy Spirit gave me that vision of you're a planter, go plant my seed. That's that's why I do what I do. And it's up to the church. Yeah. If mm -hmm. So is it is it a is it attached to any denomination? Could. It, no. Is it only Christian? Um, no. Okay, so no. there could be a Jewish celebrate recovery. There could be an Islamic celebrate recovery. The only difference is, is that celebrate recovery will lead you on a path to finding your relationship in Jesus Christ. So if if your denomination believes and acknowledges the existence of Jesus Christ, then celebrate recovery okay. is free. 
So you could so Catholic Church, Pentecostal, uh, Lutheran, mm-hmm. Christian. Correct. We will yeah. say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Absolutely. So do you find that the churches are are receptive? Do they do they open their doors or do are they pensive? Yeah. What's what's the re- response? Yeah, most churches are are very welcoming, very responsive, very you know active and and ready for this and on fire for it. Uh, there has been maybe two or three times in my ten years of planting celebrated recoveries that I have had some negativity that was with that. Where once, even when I say it's not just for drug addicts, it's not just for alcoholics, but it's for men and women that had childhood trauma or you're upset with your boss or you know something (laughs) something that you'd like to to change in your life then i have heard well we don't want those kind of people here Mm -hmm. and the very first time i was told that yeah i i I was upset (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't too happy i had that grace and that dignity uh to carry myself through that conversation without uh, you know, telling them off as I wanted to do so bad. Uh, but Matthew 18 especially is is really how we we with Celebrate Recovery treat each other, you know, with grace and love and, and respect and understanding and and everything. And so to be told that we don't want those kind of people here, well, that was their decision. Okay, fine. And a lot of it too is, you know, it's a face thing. It's some churches want to look nice and they want to, you know, have that stigma of everything is wonderful and perfect. And when you come here, you don't have to think about the outside world. You don't have to, you know, deal with any of that stuff. So I can understand their perspective in it, but really ultimately what it does is they're, they're shutting off a a connection to God and shutting off a, a heart for Jesus that can walk through that door and, and, Sincerely, it's their decision, but it's it's something that I strive for to say again. It's not just for drugs and alcohol. It's not just for those kind of people because I had that mentality too, and boy was I wrong. <laughs> you know, I was in denial of a lot of things that I had to step out of and and grow. So 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 how does the how does the one size fit all? work right because if i come in with drugs alcohol or my issue those issues are significantly different than as you said i'm just really you know fed up with my work situation or or you know i'm being physically abused by someone and and is there safety in me you know talking about my issues when there could be somebody that's really dealing with something much more significant Oh, yeah, absolutely. And with the small group settings, as I had mentioned, um, there are specific small groups for chemical dependency, for alcoholism, for, uh, you know, that drug addiction, for any type of of codependency for both male and female. So whatever, whatever small group you have for a male, you have the exact same small group for a female as well, too. So we we do welcome it because it is recovery based it's it's for finding freedom of that alcoholic tendency and and you know the pathways that you can take to not turn to alcohol but turn to 
calling your sponsor, calling it an accountability partner, working your recovery steps, doing your inventory, or even simply as going to the serenity prayer. That's that's one thing too that Celebrate Recovery has the the more lengthy serenity prayer where we continue on <laughs> with the uh, past wisdom and, and courage and everything and make that focus into Jesus. And it's it's just even to get into that mantra, you can learn that at Celebrate Recovery and, and make that choice rather than choose something that's toxic, that's going to take you away from your recovery and ultimately being healthy. So, so I will ask, you know, we're going to have to close up here in a moment, but uh, can you say that long version of the serenity prayer? Absolutely. And if you'd like to join me too, you certainly can. God. I only know the first part, so I'm going to have to let let you go. That's all right. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. So, so if somebody wants to get involved with, with Celebrate Recovery, is, is there some place they can find information? What, where? Absolutely. If you just simply Google Celebrate Recovery, and it'll take you to the Celebrate Recovery official website. And on there, when you click on that, it'll go to the main screen. And if you scroll down, I believe, to like the second part, it's the, it's the very big, <laughs> very big box that says find a celebrate recovery. And when you click on that, you can put in any state, any city, any zip code, any amount of miles away from where you are and search for your closest celebrate recovery. Um, If we're talking locally right now, there's five that I know of. The closest to where I'm at right now is in Dixon and in Rockford. And beyond that, there are so many more as well too. And you just simply have to go to the Celebrate Recovery locator and put in the information that you need to find. So do I need an invitation? Is it secret password? Is it call (laughs) and then they'll tell you where it's at? Or can I just walk into a meeting and sit down and say, hey, I'm Gerald and how's it going? Absolutely. Yep. It is a come as you are. No invitation, no special handshake, no, you know, knock on the door or you don't, you don't even have to bring anything with you. I was raised with, you always bring something, you know, always have something in your hands and no, you don't have to bring a A dish to pass. That's called a dish to pass. (laughs) Exactly. So no, even if you, even if you have no money or, or anything, come, come to celebrate recovery come hungry, you will be fed both in your stomachs with great food, but spiritually, mentally, and you'll be surrounded by people that want to see you come back and, and grow with them and be on this journey together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for explaining all that. I, there's so much that I've wondered about for a long time, and, and uh, I hope we can talk more about it. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, we're going to close up there. Everybody, thanks for for uh, spending this time with us. As always, we want to thank NRG Media, our radio partner, and we want to thank Slang Music Group for the theme music. And um, we want to thank Fresco on First, 216 West First Street in Dixon. 
uh, for supporting us, uh, KSD Hospital, Mississippi Centers. Um, we just, you know, so many community partners to help us do what we're doing. Um, as always, you know, if you have a problem with drugs, alcohol, other habits, hangups, and heartaches, did I get it right? Hurts, habits, and hangups. <laughs> hurts, habits, and hangups. If you, if you got other hurts, habits, and hangups, get help, you know, call somebody. There is somebody out there that wants to help you. Um, people dedicate their lives to making sure that, that the world is a better place one person at a time. Call your local police department, call your local hospital, call your local church. Um, you know, reach out to the Illinois Warm Line or the Warm Line in your state. And if none of that works, call us at Salt Valley Voices of Recovery. We're at 779-707-0151. You can also go to our website, uh, www.svvor.org. As always, this uh, podcast is produced by me. I'm doing my best. And, um, you know, just keep your head up and, 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 and trust that not only are we here, but God is here for you. So uh, I, 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 until next week, Take care of yourself, and if you need help, reach out. Thanks.